0: i'm caitlin hi i'm rebecca we're not from memphis but we love it welcome to memphis type history the podcast oh no the hammering i don't hear any hammering i can hear it but it's light okay if you end up hearing it let me know it's probably my squeaky chair that's a bigger issue (laughs) um i need to do something about that ikea ikea we need a sponsorship from you so that we can have Well, Rebecca's chair is probably fine. So I can have a better chair that doesn't squeak because I bought this from you and it's squeaking. Yeah.
1: But I could, this office could definitely use some organization.
0: All right, Ikea, we're calling on you. Yeah. We need you to sponsor this show. And by sponsor, we mean just give us some stuff and we'll talk about you in happy voices. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just have to be super still. If I start moving around, alert me. Okay. I'll do the silent point at your face. Like this. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good.
1: You mean looks good? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. How do you want to start the show? So when I was back in Memphis in June, we got to record a few episodes together in the same place. Yes. I concur. One of them was we went to Glenview Historic District, which is an episode in itself, and we took a tour of Trameka Bridge's home. And after that tour, she took me to Zion Christian Cemetery for another tour.
1: I sadly had to return to work, so I missed this tour. Which is why I'm on the show right now with you, so you can tell me all about it.
0: Yeah. So we went to Zion Christian Cemetery, and the first thing that you need to know about that is that it's the oldest African-American cemetery in Memphis. Wow. Period. End of story. Okay. Yeah.
1: And when you say oldest... can I ask how old? Is there a way to know?
0: Yes. The land was purchased in 1873. Wow. And 3 years after that, it was established as a cemetery. And I uh, so 1876. So I'll get into some details. First I'm going to tell you I'll tell you where it is and then I'm going to tell you how the land became a cemetery. Okay. Because you can go like if you want to go see the oldest African American cemetery in Memphis. Mm-hmm. It is at the north side of the 1400 block of South Parkway East. Yes. <laughs> you, Which yeah. those are some Memphis directions for you, right? Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I think it's Coletta's is on the way. So, yeah, you, we could go eat Italian food and then make our way there.
0: Yeah, to the north side of the 1400 block of South Parkway East. Just to make sure everyone gets their directionals correct or their cardinal directions correct. Yeah. I just think that's really funny. It's about 15 acres, and it probably has around 30,000 people buried there. Wait, how many? 30,000. Okay. Yeah. Get ready to find out why. I think you can probably guess why there's so many people buried there. I can guess, but I won't. Yeah. Listeners, you should also try to guess and see if you're right. Okay, so in 1990, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places, but it had fallen into disrepair previous to that. Um, The Zion Community Project is working to revitalize it, and I'm going to talk more about them towards the end of the episode because I thought this one I'm just going to go by timeline for the most part. So um, as I said, the land was purchased in 1873 by the United Sons of Zion, which was an African American fraternal organization that freed slaves founded. So mm-hmm. a fraternal organization is kind of like Masons. I mean, not I'm not saying that this group is like Masons, but that's like it's like that kind of mm-hmm. like an organization like that, fraternal organization. United Sons of Zion. Um, so they bought the land, and then three years after that, so 1876, the founding pastor of Beale Street Baptist, Reverend Morris Henderson. Established it as a cemetery. Okay. And so I want to talk just a little bit about him. Uh, He was described as a small man, but he really had a huge presence, clearly, because he was a huge, I mean, huge person in Memphis history. He was born in 1802 uh, from Virginia. He was ordained in Memphis in 1864. And then that's when he founded Bill Street Baptist Church in 1865. And that church's congregation was made up of freed slaves. And it was the first brick church ever built by and for African Americans in the Mid-South. That's interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't live to see it completed. But, you know, Bill Street Baptist Church is pretty famous on its own. I put a picture in show notes. I know you've gone by and seen it. And it's beautiful. So already we have like amazing memphis history connection okay so in 1878 as we know the yellow fever not that i meant for that to sound uh, like a cheer came through memphis
1: (laughs) i just (laughs) i was just like i know why okay anyway go ahead
0: yeah (laughs) and listeners did you guess um so that's why so many um people are buried there Uh, Most of the white citizens left the city. Uh, Can I
1: just put in a plug-in real quick about our former episode? sure. Go go listen
0: to Elmwood after
1: this as well. Yeah,
0: Elmwood Cemetery. We talk more about yellow fever in there, too. Sorry, go ahead and return back to what you were saying. No, that was smart. Good, Good plugging. So most white citizens left the city. A lot of the African Americans stayed and cared for the sick, but they weren't allowed to be buried at other cemeteries in Memphis, and Mm. so... They were laid to rest at Zion. All right. And, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to do a yellow fever episode at some point. Yeah. And one of the things about the yellow fever is that there are always these rumors uh, in, like, newspapers and stuff that, like, African Americans couldn't catch it, so they must have brought it and, like, stuff like that. Oh, wow. And then – but you have cemeteries like this where, like, a lot of people are buried because they died from yellow fever, too. Anyway. Yeah, you
1: couldn't get away from the yellow fever.
0: So I went over to Cemetery with Tremica, and we um, walked around, looked at – in a section of it, there were people – as I said, it's being, like, cleaned up and revived, and so there were a lot of people working there. Uh, You'll hear from one of the guys who was working on the site. So there's a lot of noise, you know, of, like, cleaning up and chainsaws and mowers and things. We did walk around and look at some of the gravestones – um, to see whose we could find. And yeah. we found some of the people I'm going to talk about who are buried there. Some of them we didn't. Okay. Did you take some pictures? Yeah. And I've got the show notes for this up. So there's some pictures and then us walking around as well. Great. We just we wanted to also bring you sort of the tour of that for those of you who can't go and visit it. So um, we didn't find all of these graves in particular, but we did find several. Notable ones, notable gravesites. And there are pictures in show notes. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. So up until the 1920s, the cemetery was really thriving. Um, but by that time a lot of its shareholders had passed away. I mean, if you remember, it's like in the like 18 like late 1860s, 1870s that this is like really becoming a cemetery. So a lot of people had died by 1920s. By the mid-1930s, In order to maintain it, a lot of the pastors were having to take up collections. And then by the 60s, it was pretty much abandoned. Mm.
1: Which is why they had to do um, cemetery cleanups later years.
0: Yeah. And a lot of it is still needing to be cleared out. So it's actually hard to tell exactly how big it is. Um, and it had been so overgrown in the past, even, that people didn't even know it was a historic site. There was an illegal chop shop back there, a dumping ground, because it actually is, like, huge. Yeah. Um, So that's when, in 1990, the nonprofit was established to care for the cemetery. And in 2005, the Zion Community Project was formed. And that's the organization reviving it now. We're going to start out talking about the victims of the March 9, 1892 People's Grocery Lynching. They are buried in Zion Christian Cemetery.
2: Wow. The People's uh, Grocery Lynching, there were three African-American men who were lynched by a group of white business owners because they were... Um, they had you know they were a thriving business and so they were lynched and those three guys are the reason why Ida B Wells started her anti-lynching campaign and those um, those three um, men are buried here in the cemetery and we just commemorated I want to say yikes um, 100 years or something here um, recently and there was a a great dedication ceremony and and a lot that took place um, out here and the news was out here and we got a lot of great photos and everything too so
0: this is um, we're driving back here and um, you've got a beautiful white wrought-iron gate at the front with an arch and to drive under and it's just this place it's very beautiful very peaceful a lot of shady trees Hills roll, you know, little, little rolling hills and clearly a lot of grave sites from through the ages
2: here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's the oldest African-American cemetery in um, in Memphis and so it was um, there was some controversy because because it was one of the only um, African-American cemeteries the um, some doctors and and attorneys back in back then were um, upset that they had to have their loved ones buried here next to slaves. There are also some slaves in this, in the cemetery. And they felt because of course they had gone to college and they were educated, they, they shouldn't have to be buried um, in the same cemetery. But again, because this was, you know, segregation, it was only, um, this is the only place that they be buried. Okay. So yeah, we can get out. Yeah. i trying to see here. Thomas Moss. Here it is. <laughs> ah, we're right here. So, this is all right here. Yes. so Thomas Moss was one of the, uh, one of the three men that were, that were lynched, and it was a, There's a, a marker. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's um, the People's Grocery marker. And we have records. We have records of um, of everyone, well, most everyone. So that's what now we're we're needing to get volunteers. We want volunteers to help to identify. Initially, you couldn't walk through because the so People's
0: Grocery. People's Grocery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is Thomas Moss, Calvin McDowell, and William Stewart. They, along with their 11 partners of other prominent African Americans, opened People's Grocery in 1889 at Mississippi and Walker, which was an area that was called the Curve. It was a mixed race community. So they opened this grocery store and it ended up competing against uh, William Barrett's grocery store, who had, you know, he was a white guy, he had a monopoly on grocery stores in the Curve. And his place even had a bad reputation for like, I don't know, stuff like illegal gambling and things like that. And so people were going to people's grocery. He felt threatened. And so a bunch of like tension and violence ensued. We had a county sheriff and recently deputized plainclothes civilians who went in as a mob, attacked the people in the store, you know, and then they were kind of worried about a lynch mob coming for them. So they were armed and everything. So they protected themselves up until realizing that, oh, these are like now policemen. Even though they weren't dressed like policemen, they were actually civilians who were recently made into policemen. It seems like it gave an excuse to put warrants out for many, many, many people's arrest in the neighborhoods. They arrested a bunch of the black residents of the community, about 30 to 40, uh, including Thomas Moss. Wow. So then on March 9th at 2.30 a.m., these men were in the Shelby County Jail, and they had had motions to get out on bail or, or whatever, and the judge quashed them. So they were stuck in jail probably inappropriately or illegally or whatever just because like there was no their real lawyers law. had tried to get them out right yeah i'm not really okay. sure about like laws back then but the judge but the judge comes back later so like it seems suspicious he quashed the it is suspicious yeah so thomas moss and the other two are, they're in jail after this after their store was busted into by this angry white mom at 2.30 a.m. on March 9th, 75 men wearing black masks surrounded the county jail, and nine of them were allowed inside. Weird. They dragged out Thomas Moss, William Stewart, and Calvin McDowell, took them to the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad Yard, which is about a mile outside of Memphis, and uh, they were brutally, brutally murdered. No. And the reason, yeah, the reason there are many, many brutal details about what was done to them is because the press was there because they were probably told in advance whoa this is twisted
1: um so yeah there, there
2: was just this yeah. whole story and it made national headlines yes. it made national headlines too um mm-hmm. but yeah for a long time this i mean it had become a dumping ground okay. so all of the trees and on all of the limbs were over were overgrown a lot of the tombstones are now damaged because of um because of the weather and because of some trees being and, and limbs falling on it. But um that's where the Zion Community Project has has taken over and have um the board has uh, allowed and uh, helped you uh, have volunteers to come out and clean it up. Yes. And um, so now we're in the phase, now that it's actually clean and we can drive through, because for a long time you couldn't even drive through. Oh. We're in the phase of now identifying some of the, the grave sites and actually sectioning it off so that we can say, okay, we know Thomas Moss and this, this, you know, and oh. see where everyone um, is, is located. But as far as um, how big it goes from South Parkway to uh, borderline South Parkway, um, Bellevue, El- Elvis Presley, and McLemore. Wow. It's, it's huge. It's large, but it
0: actually is larger than what you can actually see. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow.
2: And so we have um, the city or the correctional facility um, has um, um, workers to come out in and, and keep the mm. the landscaping up on here. But
0: At the end, before he died, Thomas Moss is quoted as saying that his last words were, Tell my people to go west. There is no justice for them here. Mm -hmm. So after the murders, there is a lot of unrest in the community. The judge who was over these men's cases and and had them put in jail, Mm -hmm. he sent men to the curve. So that he sent men to that neighborhood and said they could shoot down on site Indian Negro who appears to be making trouble. So armed white men went down there, and they shot at African Americans, and they looted people's grocery. And that was acceptable? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to Culturally? The, yeah. I mean, to the law and to, I guess, enough white people that they let it happen. Then, I guess it was. So strange. Then the grocery store was sold for one-eighth of its cost to none other than William Barrett, the white grocery store owner, from the beginning of the story. No. Moss was a good friend of Ida B. Wells, who was in fact godmother to his children. So she was a huge person in the civil rights movement. Yep. And one of the reasons she became such is because of the people's grocery lynching. She was the owner and editor of the Memphis newspaper Freedom of Speech. Uh, but even like before she became the act, I guess the activist like everyone knows her to be. Mm-hmm. Lynching had not really entered her world. She was very middle class. Before Moss's murder, she had really accepted the cultural explanation that lynching was justified as retribution for rape, and she hadn't really thought about it. But then when her friend, who she knew, was not lynched for raping a white woman, she realized that lynching was actually about economic power.
1: Okay, hold on. There was a, an idea that lynching was okay? With people? Yeah. uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to need to be educated on this. (laughs) Um, Because lynching was made
0: for rapists. If you had raped somebody, you would get lynched. Well, that's what people who were lynching were saying. That they, okay.
1: That was a justification. Right. Which is so weird. I don't know why I didn't think about this, but. For Ida B. Wells to think like, oh, lynching, you know, it happens because of, you know, it's for rape reasons. When we know nowadays, like, no, we know what lynching was about. Anyway, sorry.
0: Yeah. But I think part of the reason that we know is because of her. Because this incident kicked off, like, truly her realization that it was about power, over African-Americans. And so that's when, this is when she started her international anti-lynching crusade. Uh Uh-huh. And she, so I shared Thomas Moss's last words and kind of this editorial that she wrote about his death Mm -hmm. and his last words actually inspired the immigration of 6,000 African-Americans out of Memphis to the West,
1: like he said. 6,000?
0: Yeah. That's great. And then many of the ones who stayed boycotted the streetcar and it almost went into bankruptcy because of that. And like I said, Ida B. Wells started her anti-lynching campaign and like really shined the light on what was truly going on. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so is to she con-
1: is she buried there?
0: Yeah. Ida B. Wells is not, but Thomas Moss, William Stewart, and Calvin McDowell are. Okay. And there's a picture of Thomas Moss's grave site in the show notes. All right. Uh, to continue on in the civil rights activist vein, I'm sure you know and love Benjamin L. Hook's library.
1: I certainly do. Memphis type would not exist the way it does without that.
0: Yeah. So uh, Dr. Hook's was a huge leader in the American civil rights movement, and he did serve as executive director of the NAACP from 1977 to 1992. Huge figure in Memphis history, Arsenal library is named after him, et cetera, et cetera. His grandmother, Julia Hook's, is buried at Zion. Uh, her husband, Charles, was a truant officer at the juvenile detention home, and he was tragically killed by a ward of the home. But amazingly, she actually kept on working with young people, even though a young person in the like juvenile court system killed her husband. And she was also an officer of the juvenile court at one point in time. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was a teacher and a principal in the Memphis City Schools. She also taught music. And her sons, Henry and Robert Hooks, were the owners of Hook's Brothers Photographers, which were really important recorders of African American history and life in the 20th century. Like, they're one of the main reasons we know what African American culture and life was like in history. Look at that, because they documented it. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, their business could fit in with like a Beale Street episode, um, but I want to go ahead and talk about it now because it's there's like an amazing fact about it. Okay. So there's a historical marker for Hooks Brothers photographers at what's now King's Palace Cafe at 162 Beale. Uh huh. I never noticed it. Yeah. So their studio was on the second floor of that building, uh, which is currently the absinthe pool room. But. Yeah. It's still like a lot of the 1930s interior is actually still original. So if you go there, you can see a lot of what it looked like. How oh, cool. To note, in particular, the interior windows, which was a pre-air conditioning feature of old buildings like that because it allowed for air circulation inside. And I've got some pictures and things in show notes. Um, it was—Hooks Brothers is was the second oldest continuously operating black business in Memphis— and it was the studio that took the only known studio portrait of Robert Johnson, who had sold his soul to the devil at the Crossroads in Clarksdale at the age of 27 in order to be a blues musician. Oh. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. And like, there is only like one studio portrait of him and it's like on all his album covers and stuff like that. And they took it. So it did eventually move out of that Bill Street building and... Um, It moved around a few times, I think, actually. And in 1979, there was a fire, and so the business ended. Mm. But it's very cool. You should look at it. And there's a collection of their photographs uh, by uh, Delta State University, and I've put the link in show notes for that, too. Great. Dr. Georgia Patton, Washington... The first African American female medical doctor in Tennessee. Wow! Yeah, after graduating from Meharry Medical School in Nashville, she went to Liberia as a missionary and established a school in Monrovia. Wow! She and her two infant sons died in Africa, and she is buried there. Aww.
2: So, um, so this must be how they David. did the family plots
0: mm-hmm. enclosed in stone like
2: this. Yeah, and so it has Washington here, and then on each side,
0: okay. yeah, Washington. And then we got. This is, uh, died 1900, and there's even, there's a lot written here that it's, I can't even read anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's so worn down from age. I just see the last word is good night
2: it just, just, it just amazes me at the detail that was put into these, but, you know, they didn't, uh, they just kind of got over, over, um, overgrown so much because, um, you know, they some slaves were buried without any, um, without any tombstones or without any names. So they mm-hmm. just had posts and and numbers. Yeah, let's see, two oh five, two oh six, and and that. Um, from from what I was told, they just kind of you know they they put them there and um, and just labeled the, labeled them with with numbers. And again, it was it, it was at one point the only African American cemetery. So there were a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of
0: history out here. And here we have, I mean, there's just some, just say, Lily and Robert. Yeah. We don't really
2: have preservation of, of, of history and of, of culture is very important. And, and it's it's too bad that it, it went for a long time without being, yes. you know, taken care of. But Someone said that this was like where the slaves, but then when we looked, yeah, this uh-huh. is one of those, one, it says With the 108. Numbers, 108. But we looked and we thought maybe it could have been also like a section of this, you know, maybe it's a ah, section okay. of the cemetery as well. Like this was row 108 and, and row 109, but that's, um, I don't know, I guess until we do a, a little more history and digging yeah. to see exactly what, you know, what that, what that was. Do you know
0: what the process has been? Of trying to find out as in, you know find out how this place was designed and find you know uncover who the
2: people are um no right now what we what we're doing the fact that we've recently just been able to get here okay, <laughs> to get yeah. in uh, we, so we're looking for the college students that do come out we're getting them to go around and just kind of identify the graves right now to load them into I think there's a billiongraves.com or something like that. It's a, a website that uh, stores information um, for cemeteries. But that's, um, that's as far as we've gotten. We haven't gotten to the, the process on how we can find more uh, information, and that's where we're hoping some college students, history majors possibly, would help um, give us some ideas on how to uncover more of the history.
0: And if someone's interested in volunteering for a cleanup day or if they're a college student or, you know, they just enjoy research or whatever, mm-hmm. I suppose, how would they get in touch to um, help out with this effort?
2: The, the website is ZionCommunityProject.org. Zion,
0: ZionCommunityProject.org. Mm-hmm.
2: And there are contact pages there. So from telephone number to the email address is... Um, is listed.
0: We will also put all the links you need on the show notes page at Memphistypehistory dot com slash Zion. That's Z I O N. Memphis com slash Zion. You can find links to volunteer to learn more. Um yeah, there's we'll
2: put cemetery. I mean there's graves all the way down Yeah. And right. probably under the, <laughs> Yeah under the tree, you under know. The yeah. So um it's, it's, it's come a long ways, but we're excited to see. We want to be able to have tours and, and, and have things out here to, uh, again, to, to, to commemorate the great accomplishments of a lot of these people who have made significant strides in, in the history of Memphis and, um, and culturally as well in the world, really.
0: Hopefully this episode will get some people interested in working with them. Yeah. I think it's a really important site that, should be preserved i think these people's graves deserve to be as well cared for as places like elmwood you know right
1: yeah i was uh when we first moved to memphis we were in one of those cleanup crews and so it's kind of fun years later discovering exactly what i w- what i was doing oh wow really uh, yeah i until now until this podcast when we started talking about it i was like Oh yeah, that's Mount Zion. Like I mean, the Zion Cemetery. That's what I cleaned up or helped clean twice, I think. But I didn't. I didn't know the significance of it until now. That's cool. Yeah, so it makes me want to go back. No idea. Yeah, I didn't either. I want to go back now and see it because that was. I mean, we moved in two thousand eight, so surely it's looks different from then.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the front part is pretty decently cleaned out. Mm -hmm. Some other notable African Americans who are buried at Zion. T.F. Thomas Frank Castles or Cassells maybe, was born in 1843 in Kentucky and attended Oberlin College in Ohio. He was a practicing attorney in Memphis and was appointed assistant attorney general in 1878 and was the first African-American lawyer who was admitted to practice before the Supreme Court of West Tennessee. Oh. But if that wasn't enough, he also served as a Republican in the 42nd Tennessee General Assembly from 1881 to 1883. And in 1888, he was a Republican presidential elector. All right. Um, Finally, Philip M. Nicholson was born in Memphis in 1846. And he was a wealthy landowner who had a 360-acre farm that bordered uh, South, South Parkway East. And he grew... Stuff that was, like, really fancy at the time, like asparagus, raspberries, strawberries. And he was the first... Yeah, I know, right? What is there now? You said
1: that was South Parkway East?
0: Yeah, South Parkway East. is His farm was right there. Okay. Wow. He was the first African-American to have a site at the old Bill Street Market. That was one of the first Memphis markets for fresh fruit and vegetables and all of that. So, uh... (laughs) That's pretty cool. It's like the first market, and he was the first African-American to have a stall there. And that was on Beale Street? Yeah. We really need to do a Beale Street episode. Yeah, I didn't realize that. There's so much cool history. Okay. And the Nicholson home was located where Hamilton High School is now, which I, you know, a little bit of extra history. Okay. I, I don't know where that yeah, school is. Yeah, I mean, is. it's gone, but, oh, you know. okay. Like, I mean, this and this is just, like, some of the people that we know are buried there. I mean, who knows, like... Yeah. Who else is there and what little bits of history are, you know, needing to be preserved. And it's, you know, you'll see pictures. It's um like it's, it's good work and hard work that I think they have to do because – and that's why, like, I hope people want to get involved and help out because, I mean, you'll see, like, uh, Reverend Henderson's uh, grave site – you know, is in some pretty disrepair, pretty bad disrepair, so. Yeah. And just for example. And
1: um, I assume you're going to put a link to a website that can lead people there to learn more about how
0: to help out? Okay. Yes. So show notes for this episode, memphistypehistory.com slash Zion, Z-I-O-N. And you can find links to more history, uh, links to you know where our sources for this episode for more information and links to how to help out with the zion community project yeah
1: this is memphis type history the podcast we like your type You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode.
0: Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind-the-scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash memphistypehistory. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash memphistypehistory. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on
1: Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as memphistypehistory, and on Twitter at memphistype. All you out there listening, we know you love this podcast. And if you support us with $1 a month, which equals $12 a year, you can make all the difference, and you can unveil all of Memphis's history. Oh. For your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So
0: $12 is like...
1: A dozen eggs. No, it's not.
0: Yeah. You could get a lot of organic eggs for $12. $12 you could get... That's like... What do people like to say how many Starbucks drinks things are? So that's like, what, one real special Starbucks... No, I'm just kidding. Um, Two? (laughs) Two Starbucks drinks? two Starbucks drinks. Yeah. Just trade us... Uh, one pumpkin spice latte with double shot soy milk, special venti ice cream inside. I
1: have no idea what language you're speaking.
0: For six months of support and then for the other six dollars, I'm not gonna ask you to trade another one of your Starbucks coffees, but maybe you could trade a matinee movie. Oh yeah, you could trade us one matinee movie because
1: chances are that movie's gonna be terrible and you're gonna you're gonna yeah. come out of there and say, man, I could have just given that money to Memphis type history.
0: Yeah, and supported us for six whole months. Yeah, that could have supported For that it. little matinee. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I mean, yeah. But do it soon because <laughs> there are probably some good holiday blockbusters coming yeah. out that will probably be good. So go ahead and do it now while the movies are lame.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's just like when people put a dollar in the tip jars at places. Think about putting it in our yes. tip jar once a month.
0: That's it. Don't put it in other tip jars. Yeah. Put it in our Patreon electronic tip jar. It's even yeah, easier. It's you easier. just set it and forget it one time.
1: Okay, surely somebody after all this is like, okay, I'll give
0: them a dollar. I know, right? If you <laughs> if you don't, we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. So it's a threat now. You can look, yeah, you can look at our uh, Patreon goals, and if you want us to stop doing this, then <laughs> help us reach our ultimate goal for funding and then we won't do this anymore yep basically